Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. All right, so I asked myself a question today whenever I was preparing this message. If today was the actual day that Jesus rose from the dead, if we could rewind over 2,000 years, what would he tell us? If he were to walk in that room right after he came out of the tomb and stand up here, what would he say? And when you study the resurrection story in all four gospels, you're going to find three things that Jesus worked to get across to us in that 40-day period between the resurrection and when he ascended into heaven. And the first one is something that we talk about every Easter. It's actually something that we talk about every Sunday almost. And Jesus said, receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. This is the whole reason Jesus put himself through that suffering and torment. He looked at you, the rebellious, sinful you, and he said, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do something about that. He knew you'd never make it to heaven if it were up to you. So the Son of God, Jesus Christ, gave himself up as a sacrifice for your sins. Aren't you thankful? You were supposed to die and go to hell. Did you know that? But he died in your place. And here's how Jesus said it after the resurrection. It's found in Luke chapter 24. He said, there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You can see that Jesus gives a condition to receive forgiveness. You must repent. Sounds like a scary word, but all it means is change in direction, turn it around. In other words, to receive forgiveness, I must turn away from sin because I believe in Jesus after all. There's a partial gospel message out there that tells us that there's forgiveness of sins regardless of how you choose to live. But Jesus made it clear forgiveness is for those who repent, who turn away from their old life, those who make the choice to turn away from sin and follow Jesus. And many argue that all you have to do is believe in Jesus. John 3, 16, baby, right? Just slap that on it. And there is truth to that. To receive eternal life, you must believe in Jesus. But here's the deal. Y'all, come on. When you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus. If you say you believe in Jesus and you're not following him, you're only fooling yourself. Because we ain't fooled. Nobody else is fooled but yourself. So don't fall for the lie that you can believe in Jesus without following Jesus or that you can receive forgiveness without repentance. Foolishness. Y'all, that's called the partial gospel. Or maybe we can call it the woke gospel, right? But it only works if you accept the whole gospel, the full truth. As Jesus said, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That includes you, and it's a choice that you get to make. So make the choice. So that's the first thing Jesus told us right after the resurrection. He wants to ensure that you receive the forgiveness that he provided by repenting. And the next one is something that some Christians agree with and others are going to fight it. Causes a lot of dissension in the church. Nevertheless, you find it in all four Gospels. It's not like we're cherry-picking this one out of, like, one scripture. This is found through all four Gospels and through all of the New Testament. Here it is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In all four Gospels, you'll find Jesus telling you this. And it's a tense subject for many people, so we try to skirt around it because everybody says that it's weird. But it's actually not that weird at all. And the best way to get over the weirdness of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to understand why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So why does Jesus want us to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, he gives us the answer in Luke 24. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and does what? Fills you with power from heaven. All right. Power from heaven. That's what we get whenever we receive the Holy Spirit. So that really isn't weird at all. You know why? Because when you connect to the power plant, connect your house to the power plant, your house receives what? Power. And what does that power enable you to do? Pretty much everything. 
with ease, right? You no longer have to build a fire to cook your food. I'm thankful for that. We're in our house, our first house with a wood-burning fireplace. I didn't realize how hard it was to build a fire. Your wood has to be seasoned. It has to be dry. You have to have all this kindling stuff. I mean, you should have seen me in there fighting with these fires, trying to burn wet wood. Y'all, it doesn't go well. So I'm glad that we have the stove that we can just turn that on and cook some food, right? You no longer have to wash each garment on a washboard. Now, I got to know, is there anybody in here who's done that before? All right, there's a few of you in here. You get to turn on that washing machine, and then we still gripe about it. I tell you what, we're just a sorry griping bunch of people if we're going to gripe about that. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're filled with power. You're connected to the power source that enables you to do what God called you to do. No longer do you have to strive and hustle in your own strength. Instead, you're led by the Holy Spirit into the things that are most effective for you. How many of y'all want that? No longer do you have to wonder how to pray for someone because you can pray in the Spirit and you can trust that what you're praying, even though you don't know what you're saying, is a perfect prayer offered up to God. Amazing. There's only so much you can do by yourself, and I found out that what I do by myself is quite disappointing. Has anybody else found that out, or are you still, you're still trying? But when I operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, it blows my mind what he accomplishes through me. It's a better way to live. Jesus wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's so important that it's one of the three things that he told you after he was resurrected, before he ascended into heaven. And here's the third thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. He said, obey everything Jesus told you. Obey everything I told you. It's almost as if he knew that we would wiggle our way out of obedience. Okay, let's be real. He knew exactly what we would try to do. He knew us. He knew we'd use grace as a license to sin. He knew we'd use love as an excuse to ignore sinful behavior. He knew we'd take his words out of context to fit what we wanted to do, like this one. John chapter 13, verse 34, he said, So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So awesome. But here's how we like to read it. So now I'm giving you a new commandment so you can ignore all the other commandments. Love each other. Uh huh. But that's not what he said. Let's read it again. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Sure, all the other commandments can be summed up into this one commandment, right? That's what Jesus told us. But if we didn't have the other commandments, we would have no idea how to love each other. <laughs> Plus, if you look at the context of this scripture, Jesus is talking about loving the body of Christ. Yet Christians everywhere will use that scripture to bash you over the head about loving the things of the world. Foolishness. He's talking about loving the body of Christ. But this is what's going on in our nations. People think that to love the LGBTQ community, you have to pass laws to support their sin, right? They say that that's love. But if we really want to help them, we must love them enough to tell them the truth. And here's the truth. That sinful behavior is rapidly leading you to eternity in hell. And it's not just their sin. It's any kind of sinful behavior that you allow in your life over and over again. Habitual sin is going to lead you to hell. Because it won't be long before you deny Christ. We've got to let them know that freedom's available. They weren't born that way. You guys know what it actually is. It's a demonic spiritual attack that they can be completely delivered from through the power of Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind the next time you get a chance to minister to somebody who's going through that. They can be delivered. That nonsense that says they were born that way, it's a lie. It's a lie that keeps you from ministering to people because you're like, well, if they were born that way, I can't do anything about it. Oh, buddy, it's a demonic spiritual attack. Go and rebuke the demon. 
Amen. So that's just one example of many that just reveal our inability to truly love others without further instruction from Jesus. And that's why you'll find about 50 things, 5-0, 50 things that Jesus commanded us to do in the Gospels. Love your enemies. That's everybody's favorite, right? Equally favorite. Be generous. Good time. Repent from sin. Oh, here's a good one. Don't run from suffering. Yeah, he said that. Treat others as you want to be treated. I mean, those are just a few things he commanded us to do. And here's what Jesus said about those 50 things after the resurrection. He said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Aren't you glad he said we only have to obey some of the commands? That we can ignore all the other commands as long as we love each other, right? No, he said, obey all the commands. That means I can do it. You can do it. We all can do it because Jesus is not going to ask us to do something that we cannot do. We can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people trying to do it without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because he gives you power from heaven to live a righteous life. We can obey all the commands of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So keep this in mind as we read John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. John chapter 15. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you and then some of chapter 16 as well. Because this is part of Jesus' last words to the disciples before he was crucified. So I want you to put yourself in that situation. If you were the one that was about to die, you would share the most important things with the ones that you love, wouldn't you? Maybe some things that you've even been holding back all the years. If you knew you were going to die, that's when it all would come out. So that's what Jesus is doing here. And as I read this, I want you to imagine that Jesus is talking to you. This is his last opportunity to talk to you before he goes to the cross. And he's about to tell you the most important things you need to know. And I know this is a lot of scripture to read at one time. We don't do this much in church anymore. We've been doing it a lot here recently. So you might need to help yourself focus, right? If you need to close your eyes and listen to this, close your eyes. But let's give the the word of God the honor that it's due. Let's be quiet, let's be still, and let's listen to the word of God. So this is Jesus talking, and he says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. You know, the only reason he had to tell us that is because apparently we're going to be tempted to separate ourselves from Christ. Even after we've heard the word of truth, even after we've experienced freedom, there's going to be something trying to pull us away from him. So he says, remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Did you guys catch the danger of not remaining in him? You become a useless branch that withers and then is thrown into the pile to be burned. Listen, there is no once saved, always saved. If you don't remain in Christ, you will wither 
to the point that you have to be thrown away. Remain in Christ. Remain in him. Then he goes on to say, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. So remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. (laughs) Obedience and love just tied together beautifully. You got to love that. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. That's amazing. When you remain in Christ, when you obey all of his commands, you become his friend. And did you see that more than once, he said that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. That is a big promise. How many of y'all are tapping into that promise? Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 18. We're going to kind of shift gears here. We were talking about love and obedience, and now we're going to talk about how the world hates you. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what was written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Another function of the Holy Spirit right there, he's a spirit of truth guiding us into old truth. How many of y'all are thankful for that? How many of y'all tapped into that over the last two years when there's so much deception going on? The Holy Spirit will keep you on the straight and narrow. Chapter 16. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Meaning it's possible to abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you are going to think that they're doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. More functions of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit's job, one of his jobs is to convict us, convict us of sin? And of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. 
The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We're living in that truth now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Did you notice how much Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit? Like I said, this is his last message to the disciples before he was going to the cross. He's like, I need you all to get this. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. I believe some of y'all are going to receive the Holy Spirit today. I can feel the expectation growing. Now to wrap this up, I want to read the final prayer that Jesus prayed over you. He prayed it over the disciples, but it was over you too. Before he ascended into heaven, you're going to find it in John chapter 17. I want you to actually just close your eyes and listen to this. And imagine Jesus praying. This is his words. These are red letters. So I'm going to read John chapter 17, verse 9 through 26. And Jesus says, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. And now I'm departing from the world, but they're staying in the world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. There you go. That's how you know this is for you too. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them 
and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. That's what Jesus prayed over you. He prayed that you'd be protected by the evil one, and then he gave the purpose of the protection, unity. That tells me that the enemy is going to try to come in and destroy unity, turn us against each other. Have you all ever noticed that happening? Get you aggravated with somebody. But I'm going to lean into Jesus, pray that I'd be protected from that so that I could be in perfect unity with you. Can we all lean in that together? Because that's how the world knows that we are his disciples whenever we walk in perfect unity. His final plea to the Father, Jesus' final plea to the Father, was, will you make my body united? That is his heart. Unity. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.